After 39 long years, the Cup is back home. The Bruins are 2011 Stanley Cup champions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of Bruins Beat. Uh, There's a lot to get to here. There's been a ton of stuff in the news compared to the Bruins, compared to the on the NHL. There's a ton to break down in this in this show today, and I'm very happy to do it alongside Jason, as always. We have a great show. but And I want to start off on a positive note here, Jason. I want to say that Patrice Bergeron elected to his second straight All-Star game. He is the only Bruins representative, and I think that he deserves it. He's the only, I mean, I shouldn't say he's the only Bruin, but he's one of the only Bruins that comes to play every single game. He brings his A game. And a couple of years ago, we were talking about how he was one of the most underrated players in the league. And now it's good to see that he's getting some recognition from people around the NHL. You know, I agree. I think Bergeron's the only player that actually deserves that, to be completely honest. And to be real honest, I still think Bergeron's underrated. That's not going to change. It's just the way he plays. He's a quiet player. And, you know, it's going to be fun to see him play in the All-Star game for the uh, the new version of it. And it'll be a lot better than seeing John Scott. Absolutely. It's going to be great seeing Patrice Bergeron play. And hopefully he can play with Stamkos. Maybe get in Stamkos' ear, tell him to come to Boston a little bit, do a little nudge in there. You know what I mean? Oh, that would be nice <laughs> to have him say that to Stamkos. No, maybe we'll get Stamkos to say, hey, uh, lower your price, come to Boston and win the top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be nice to see. But good for Bergeron. He's having a great year so far. He's been a leader of this team all year, all season long. He's been scoring goals at at a rate that he hasn't scored at before. He's just being the best play, the best Bruin overall, and he's going to be a captain within the next two or three years when Chara's gone. So good to see Bergeron get there again, and he's been elected to Team Canada now, so I, I disagree. That. I don't think he's been as underrated as he has before. He's been on the NHL EA Sports cover. He got elected to Team Canada for the Olympics. I think after that year, was Bergeron's breakout year was 2013 when the Olympics happened, and he got put on the EA Sports cover. So I think Bergeron's an all-around player now, and I think everyone recognizes just how great he is. They do, but I don't think you hear his name come up too much as being the best center in the NHL. I mean, and you never, and you probably never will. Bergeron's going to be one of those players who's very, very quiet, and that's how he's going to stay, and he's going to lead the team and focus on winning the Cup. And, you know, we're talking about all these NHL contracts, and Bergeron probably is the only Bruin that deserves a contract right now. Yeah, and... And you don't ever hear him in the top five centers in the NHL, but you know what? That's fine because people still know that Bergeron's a top 20 player in the NHL. And I, I guarantee every single team in the league would take Bergeron on their team in a heartbeat if you could, if they could get him. So Bergeron's not underrated anymore. I think Bergeron's been great. He's been only – I think he's the only Bruins representative that deserves to be there. So good for him. Pat on the back to Bergeron. I can't wait to see him play in the All-Star game. And I agree. You know – um. I know people would say if David Krejci was not injured and still healthy, maybe Krejci would be in there, but I think it was smart call to give it to Bergeron instead. Me too. And then the second, second thing I want to get to here is uh, now we're going to get into a lot of other Bruins news that's not really on the positive side. But <laughs> I want to talk about Brad Marchand. And you sent me a great article this week about how – and I've, no, I've, read, I've read the article that you sent me, and I've read, article, I've read other articles that people have put up on the internet about Brad Marchand and saying how he's at a crossroads in his career. He's 27 years old. He's been in the league. He's been in the league quite some time now, since 2011. So he's been around the block a time or two. He knows what to do. He knows what to expect. It's time for him to change and grow up. And I get it. You need Marchand to play on the edge, and you need him to be chippy and chirping the other players and being in their face. But there's a way to do it to not get suspended. And the best player I can compare him to is Brendan Gallagher on Montreal. And Bruins fans know just exactly what Brendan Gallagher does to piss off Bruins fans. But you know what? Gallagher does not cross the line. He doesn't get dirty and cheap. He doesn't get he doesn't get himself suspended. He doesn't hurt his teammates. And Brad Marchand needs to look himself in the mirror and say, I need to change. And this is the second time he's done that low clipping hit. He did it back in 2012, I believe, against Sammy Salah on Vancouver. It's just not a good play. It's not smart. He hurt the team for the last three games. Luckily, they were able to win one of those games, but they went one and two in his absence. And in two of the games, you could tell the Bruins just didn't have any really 
offensive chances generating, and that's what Marshan does. There was no in-your-face type attitude, and that's what Marshan brings to the table. So Marshan's at a crossroads in his career because everyone knows he's skilled. No one denies how skilled Marshan is. He can score, he can pass the puck great, but it's the other antics of his game that people question. And he's at a crossroads in his career right now. Okay, you know what? I'm going to say this, and you probably will not agree with me, but I don't think Marshan should change. Um, I like his style. If you try to make Marshan change, Marshan turns into a player that you want to trade. And, you know, he needs that edge, and the Bruins played a lot harder without him in that Capitals game. And that Capitals game showed even without Marshan, the Bruins had a chance of winning. So I'm going to disagree. I think that the Bruins need to consider looking at Marshan's value and actually trading him. Now rather than later, because he's not going to change. It's very, very clear he's not going to. I don't want the Bruins to trade Brad Marchand. I think Brad Marchand is one of the three best players on this team, and I want him to play alongside Bergeron for a couple year, for a few years now into the future. I, I don't think trading Brad Marchand is the answer at all. But I'm not. Who was playing with, who was playing with Bergeron last night? Erickson. Pas- Erickson and Pashnik. I like that line. Yeah, but Erickson. I don't think Erickson's going to be here at the end of the year. No, so you can say you package both of them, you trade Erickson and Martian and get something for it. See, I just think you, I just think that if you trade Martian, you hurt two positions because depending on what you get back, and I'm assuming you're not going to get an equal player of Brad Martian's caliber back. And that's just my personal opinion. I don't think – and look, I'm not saying that Martian needs to change his game. He can still play that greedy style in your face. Brendan Gallagher does it perfectly. He just needs to cut the crap out about cheap hits and dirty, dirty hits, and that's easy to cut out. I mean – he, that, is, that is easy to cut, but he's he's just he's not going to. You you can you can see it in the voice when he apologized. He wasn't that sorry about it. He's not going to change, and therefore the Bruins need to get rid of him before he becomes a liability. I don't think they're gonna get rid of him, and I don't think they should get rid of him. I don't think he's a liability, and he he's one of the best players on the team. We we talked about earlier in the year how Brad earlier on this podcast how Brad Marchand's a leader, how he's been turning his season around, how he's been playing great this year, and now you want to trade him? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if he doesn't change. If he doesn't change, if, if if he starts to become a liability, if he continues making these hits, that's when you have to consider it. Yeah, I I agree. I you have to consider different. it, but you just um, you just said that he's never going to change. So that means you. I, I don't I don't foresee him changing. I do not. So you so you would move him sooner rather than later. Yes. So I I I, def, I don't agree with that. I think Bard Monchon is a key part of this team, and I think he he has been a leader this year. Well, and however, with that being said, I wouldn't trade him this year. This year, you wouldn't trade him this year. No, I'm not saying I'm not talking specifically this year. I'm talking a couple years down the road, if he doesn't change. And I, give him that chance. I think he give will him. change, to be honest, because, and even though I know we talked about his apology and how it didn't seem like he was actually sorry, but you know what? I mean, I, I, it's it's the NHL. I don't think he meant to hurt the guy, but he definitely meant to hit him. But I don't think Brad Marsh wanted to get suspended. But I also think that he will change because. He's hurting his team, and he knows that. And I think him missing the Winter Classic was a big, like, slap, I hope slap it, in the I face. Hope, I hope it was. And I hope Marshan heard them talking about it in the press box during that game, like they said in that article. I hope Marshan heard that, because if, if they're talking about it in the press box, you can already see the, the fact that Boston's management is already making phone calls. I don't think they're making phone calls. I mean, that's – I could be wrong, but I don't think they're looking to trade Marshan. I think Marshan's a key part of this team. And I think with Brad Marsh and the Bruins are a better team, and I think without Brad Marsh and the Bruins are not a good team. True. Just want to see how it plays out. The Bruins keep themselves in playoff contention. I mean, yeah. he led, he leads the team in goals this year with 15. I think Bergeron just tied him, but he led the team in goals last year. Brad Marchand's one of the best players in the Bruins, and I think if you get rid of him, it's just significantly downgrading your team. If you get rid of him, you're saying that you're ready to change the team completely. And like I said, I don't know if it's going to happen. I just think that if he doesn't change, if he gets suspended again, that's when the Bruins really have to consider it, whether it's in the offseason or now. If he gets suspended again, I'm on that boat where he needs to go. In the next, I want to transition here a little bit because we mentioned him just a minute ago and how he's not playing either is David Krejci. And David Krejci got hurt up in Ottawa, and his injury was listed as week-to-week. And I said to you, I'm pretty worried about this, and I know it hasn't been that long since he's been out, but the Bruins just went on a five-game road trip starting last night in New Jersey, and we'll touch on that game in just a few minutes, but the Bruins went to New Jersey, for, and Krejci did not make the trip. And the Bruins 
don't return to Boston. I I don't believe until next week at some at some point. And I think it's the end of next Saturday next, against the Maple Leafs. Next Saturday, right? And that's a big sign because the Bruins have four more games that we're gonna preview in a minute on this road trip. And Crazy did not go on the trip, and I think that's worrisome because he, I haven't heard that he's skating. I haven't seen that he's skating, and he's not traveling. And I know Claude Julian said, "Oh well, just because he didn't travel now doesn't mean he's he can he won't travel like early, like later in the week." But there's not there's been nothing reported about Crazy's injury. There's been nothing said about what's going on there. He hasn't skated, and there's been no timetable for his return. So that's a worrisome thing for the Bruins right now. And again, and let me say this. It's not the player, it's the team. And if this team plays well without Krejci, the same way that they play well without Martian or any of their players, all of these players are expendable. So if these other younger players keep coming up and stepping up like they're doing, with Martian coming back, if the Bruins keep winning, if they say the Bruins win four straight on this road trip, you know what, yes, Krejci's going to come back, he'll probably come back with a little bit of rust and play well, but it makes these players expendable. It gives the Bruins options. Um, I think it, I think the Bruins should hold Krejci out after the All-Star break. No, give him the chance to rest. I don't think you should do it's that. Really that it's really that hard. The, Bru- the Bruins are stru- Bruins are in a tough playoff position right now because their division's been playing so well, and everyone in the Eastern Conference is playing decent now. And I don't think you can hold out crazy for much longer because the Bruins just lost five of six before their win last night, and majority but, majority of those but, games were without crazy. I don't I don't see how you can hold them out. You can't if he's healthy. You can game, play. The games that the Bruins played that they lost minus the Canadians game, they were all close. Every one of those games that they lost were close. Yeah, I mean I get that it was close games, but it it doesn't matter if Krejci's good to go. You got to play him. You can't hold him out. I mean, I'm going through the past schedule. The St. Louis Blues they lost two to nothing. That was a close game. Like it didn't matter. The Buffalo Sabers they gave up a three to one lead in the third period. That game they should have won. The Sanders, they lost 3-1. to one. The Canadians, they got killed. And then the Capitals, the best team in the league, they lost 3-2 to two without Krejci. They're 1-3 without Krejci. They're 1-3, but I still think that they're playing well. And I think that their younger players are developing. I mean, I don't think they've... I mean, the one of classic as you said, they played horrible. And they played okay last night, but I'm just... And they played... They competed hard against Washington, but... Without Krejci, I think this team's a whole different team. You had Krejci and Marshan out, and they're two of the better players in the Bruins. And I don't, I just can't see how you want to hold out Krejci. I mean, if he's good to go, you got to play him. And I get you hold out Pashnik because Pashnik's a 19-year-old. He's young. He's got injured. You sent him to the World Juniors to get his feet underneath him. But Krejci's been around. Krejci's been around for a while now. He's a veteran player. He knows what to do when he comes back. I don't think he'll be as rusty as Pashnik was because Pashnik's never had this type of injury before. Krejci's been injured before. He knows what to expect. And I just think the Bruins are a better team with Krejci. And I think if you have Brian Spooner as the third-line center, it just makes this team more balanced and more and more depth and has more offensive firepower to it. That makes sense. Just, you know, it gets hard because you have all these younger players that are playing well. Frank Petrano just got back on the board. So when Krejci comes back, really, who gets who's the odd man out on this offense if Krejci comes back soon? I mean, I- and, that's, you know, and that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, but it means that, you know, with the trades that happened this week in the NHL, moves are going to have to happen. And I just have this gut feeling that a player that we don't expect to go is going to go. Yeah, hopefully it's Brett Connolly, in my opinion. Well, Brett Connolly, we expect to go. Again, I said unexpected. Unexpected. The player that we do not expect to go is going to get traded. I'm going to call that right now. I mean, the only people I don't expect to get traded, to be honest, are Bergeron, Krejci, Marchand, and Blosky. And Rask. Oh, I mean, yeah, Rask, I, Rask too, but those are... Those are the only players I can see the Bruins not trading, to be honest. I see Bergeron and Rask, and that's it. I don't think Marchand and Krejci are going. I think they... they st- I don't know if they're going. I'm just saying that if, if something happens that we don't expect, I'm not going to say it's Marchand or Krejci, but there's going to be a player we did not expect to go that will go in a package trade if the Bruins want to get a big player defenseman to go to the cup. If these young players keep playing the way they're playing, something's going to happen. Something's got to happen. You know, Louis Erickson, you, Louis Erickson is expected to get traded. That's what everybody's talking about. He's gonna have to with this contract, but somebody's gonna get packaged with him. Just a side. They want to get top four defense. Just a side note on Louis Erickson. Um, one of my good pals uh, tweeted that he would like to see Louis Erickson traded to the New York Rangers for Keith Yandel, and I think that would be a great. I want Keith Yandel in Boston because he's a Boston guy. That'd I want be a great I trade because Erickson is an expiring contract. The Rangers are on an expiring contract. Then why not just flop him? Just flip him. Get your defenseman, flip Erickson. There you go. I don't think it's that. Like the, uh, which we'll talk about later on the uh, Jones Johansson trade. Yep. So uh, I think that could be a trade to look into, and I think 
because you got to do something here. The Bruins, de- the Bruins defense is not that good, and I think you can find someone to play. And you can. And you can't. And the and the worst part is you really can't blame Rask. You can't blame Rask for that Washington game. No. We'll get to, <laughs> you can't. We'll get to that in a minute, but. So Krejci did not travel. Again, a little worried about that injury, and you want to hold him out till after the All Star game, and maybe, maybe I should, maybe they can, the Bruins should consider it. But I think if Krejci's the Bruins are ro- the Bruins are road warriors. If they have a good road trip without Krejci, and Krejci's really not rushing, well, if he's not going to be healthy enough, I would hold him up. They have a good road trip, and I'm already going to save my prediction. I do, I have my prediction prediction for the road trip already. Okay, so then uh, there we go. Krejci didn't travel on the road trip, and then uh, good pal. Adam McQuay just joined him on the IR. He got decked from behind. And we'll get to this hit, and we'll get to the Capitals in a minute. And his head went into the boards. McQuaid was down for quite some time. Got up, skated off, which is good to see that he skated off. He got a little help assisted off the ice. But he looked a little like he was in la-la land there. And he got placed on IR with an upper body injury. And I don't know why the Bruins put upper body injury. We all know it's it. Yeah, say it. We all, it's know it's, we all know it's his head. It wasn't like it was a rocket. It didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. So, it's a concussion. Yeah. You know what? My opinion is, what's your opinion on that hit? Because, you know, I know Zach still got suspended. But, you know, the Bruins didn't really respond to it. And I find that to be very interesting. Yeah, I'll get to that in, in a few when we, break down, when we break down the game. Because I have a lot to say about that, to be honest. But McQuaid's back on McQuaid's on IR, which means you're going to have Trotman or Joe Morrow, unless the Bruins make a trade, which I don't see coming right this Not second. Not this week. Yeah. So you're going to have Trotman or Morrow stepping in. And you know what? Good opportunity for them. We've, we've been talking about how one of them's going to have to play sooner or later. So here you go. Trotman, didn't Trotman play last night? Trotman played last night, correct. Okay. I didn't get a chance to see the game, but how did he play? Uh, you know, he, he played okay. The, the Devils are battling a ton of injuries right now. They're on, which is pretty much not, which is pretty much why the Devils look the way they did last night, to be honest. I mean, the Bruins and Devils usually played competitive games. The Bruins kind of just had their way with them a little bit there. But, you know, Charmin played, Charmin played fine. He didn't do anything, like, glaring. So, that's all, that's all, you, that's all you can do for a defenseman is just try and play solidly. Don't make mistakes, yeah, pretty much. Exactly. That's what you want, yeah. But, and uh, also, I've, um, so, excuse me, excuse me, there are also, Pashnik's back, and I forgot to mention that earlier with Bergeron, and I wanted to mention the good news first, but I forgot that Pashnik has come back to the Bruins, he played with Bergeron last night, and, you know, the kid's 19 years old, and he got his first major injury this year, and he's coming back, and... I think people are putting way too many expectations on this kid, and expecting him to be like a savior and a goal, a goal scoring machine. The kid's 19 years old. He needs to adjust to the NHL still. He's still a young kid, and it's gonna take him some time to be a, a bona fide 30 goal scorer if he becomes that. So, I think people should just pump the brakes a little bit on Pashnik. Great player. He should score some. He should score some goals and help the Bruins get hopefully back into the playoffs. But people need to. Pump the brakes a little bit on Pashnik and expect him to be a savior of this team. He's going to be a 20-goal scorer at the end of the season if, once, he gets, once he gets the rest off. He's not going to be a 30-goal scorer this year. You can't expect it. You just want him to come into work and play hard. And I'm not going to hold it against him if he's not a 30-goal scorer this year. I think that you're exactly right. The Bruins fans need to halt their expectations and keep in mind he's a kid. And as long as he's playing hard and working hard and showing the maturity, I think that's what's most important. Yeah, exactly. You just want him to grow as a player. And... Get get those chances and, and score a few of those chances. Like I just think sometimes people are like, oh, Pashnik, like, he was unbelievable last year. You're seeing with the World Juniors, he's scoring goals. He's had taking great plays. Look at him. He's always around the puck. And I get it. Pashnik does have a way to always – the puck seems to always find him. But you, you can't have unrealistic goals for Pashnik. Let him grow. Let him play. He's 19 years old. He's going to be a great player in the NHL. Just give him some time. I mean, it took Sagan a few years to get going, and now look at Sagan in Dallas, and Dallas is still in first place. Exactly. You can't just always be a 8-, 19-year-old and lightening up in the NHL. Like, not everyone that comes to the NHL as 19-year-old is going to have the skill of Sidney Crosby or the skill of Alexander Ovechkin where they just impact players right away. Give him a little bit of time. He's still young. He's still growing. He's from the Czech Republic, which means they don't they, – they have to learn the American game a little bit longer than, say, McDavid or Eichel do – in Canada and the United States. They just play a little bit of a different game over there. So just give him a little bit of time, and I think Pashnik will be just what the Bruins need. 
And I agree with that completely. Um, I'm not going to give him the high expectations. I just want him to come in, play hard, and you know, if he plays hard, he'll be a difference maker in his own way. He, he had a good first year last year, and you know when he gets the rest off, he's going to be effective. You will hear them saying his name. Yep. I'm excited to watch him tonight against Ottawa. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be great to watch Pashnik tonight. And speaking of Pashnik, he did just come back from the World Juniors, and I want to just touch on this quickly. Finland won gold, beating Russia 3-2 to two in overtime. And the United States absolutely blew the doors off of Sweden in the bronze medal game. Uh, I think the score was nine to two or nine to three or something like that. So the US, USA blew all the doors out of Sweden. And I just want to touch on people, the Bruins prospects quickly that were over there in the World Juniors that I enjoy watching. If people don't watch the World Junior Championships, please tune in next year. Next year it's in Toronto and Montreal, so you'll have normal times of games, most likely four o'clock, seven o'clock p.m. So. It's a great tournament, and um, I want to touch on the Bruins' prospects a little bit. I want to touch on Brandon Carlo from Team USA, the defenseman. Oh, man, he looked like he was a solid, solid shutdown defenseman. I was very impressed from what I've seen from Carlo. I can't wait for him to be in Providence. Hopefully next year, maybe even making a push to excuse me to join the big club. He, I thought he played tremendous. He was, the shutdown pair, he was in the shutdown pairing, number one D pairing. Scored a few goals. He's not known for his offense, but he chipped in a little bit here and there. Very excited about Brandon Carlo, the Bruins' second-round pick last year, defenseman. And, you know, when I hear that and I watch Carlo play, and I agree, but yet again, in order for Carlo to make it up here, moves have to happen. And that's why I'm referring to the trade deadline yet again. I mean, moves have to happen. I get what you're saying there, but there's also a lot of players that are contracts are up at the end of the year that are on the defensive end. I think it's, I believe it's Joe Morrow's contracts up. I believe... Tory Krug's contracts up, so moves. Which makes it interesting, like, cause would you? I, I would keep Krug, but I wouldn't keep Morrow. I still want to keep Krug. I like the way Krug plays. Yeah, I would keep Krug too. I think Kevin Miller is up at the end of the year, so there's a lot of moves to be made. And Kevin Miller can go. I would keep Colin Miller for Kevin Miller any day, and we'll talk about that Colin Miller bomb last night. And like I said, so th- there'll be time for Carlo, and there'll be a chance for Carlo to make the team. So I'm very happy with him. Also on Team USA, Andres Bork. He played in the second line, goes to Notre Dame, Bruins' fourth-round pick. And you know what? He's a small player, but he competes, he competes, and he competes. He works hard. He gets to the dirty areas. He scores greedy goals. And I'm not saying he's going to be a prime player on this team, but I could see him becoming a nice third-line player where he works hard, does what he can for the team. Very impressed with him. Happy that the Bruins have him. He's doing, playing great for Notre Dame. Notre Dame's playing great in college hockey, for those of you that don't know. And then the, uh, another Bruin I wanted to get to a little is Ryan Donato. Ryan Donato from Harvard. Played in the fourth line a little bit. One of the younger players on Team USA. But, you know, when he got out there, he had some opportunities to score. Generated some offense. Had some great shots. Did score a few goals. So, happy to see that Ryan Donato's doing well. Also, now Bruins pick. So, three, three picks on Team USA that won bronze. Then I want to get to... Forrest Bakker Carlson on Team Sweden. And Forrest Bakker Carlson, to me, I think is an all-around center. He plays power play. He plays penalty kill. I actually went to the Boston University-Harvard game this past week, and I watched him play. And he was one of the better players on the ice. And I think Forrest Bakker Carlson could be one of those players the Bruins look at one day as the second-line two-way center. Bergeron type. I'm not comparing him to Patrice Bergeron, so people please don't jump down my throat. I'm saying Bergeron-like player. He made some great passes. He makes some really skilled plays, so I'm very impressed with Forrest Bakker Carlson in the second so you, so you said about a second-line center? I think he could be a second-line center, yes. So if you do the math, give him like two or three years, um, look at the value of Krejci as Krejci will go down over time. Um, yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah, just give him a little bit more time. He's still young. He's still growing. He's only a freshman at BU. I think he's only 18 or 19 years old, so he has some time to grow, especially in the Bruins system in he obviously needs to put a little bit of weight on, but I like what I see from him. Very impressed. And then, obviously, we talked about Pashnik. Pashnik was one of the three best players on Czech Republic over there. And then, so, Bruins prospects doing really well over there in the World Juniors. And I'm, that's why I like watching the tournament as well. You get to see some Bruins prospects. You get to see some people that aren't drafted yet. And you know, it's good not, what's better than rooting for your country, right, Jason? Right, why not? And, you know, it's good to see these Bruins players playing well. And now that you say that, I wanted to bring up uh, something real quickly, too. You know, we haven't talked the AHL in a while, but Kokochev and Griffith both got honors this week. And I still think that even though they both got honors in the, in the AHL, they're still not meant for the NHL. 
No, I think I think you'll see Kokochev maybe part of a deal by the deadline, and he's gotta be. Yeah, he's I, not- I, I think his time his time in Boston is just up. He needs to go somewhere else. He needs to go somewhere else where he has a chance to have more time in the NHL because he's obviously not ready for the Bruins. Absolutely, and um, before we transition here to break down the Bruins Capitals and the Bruins Devils game last night. Uh, Bruins fans, don't forget to check out our good friends over at Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio. If you're a Red Sox fan you enjoy baseball, please go to CLNS Radio, listen to their Red Sox podcast. They bring you all the offseason news from Chapman to David Price to all that good stuff. And right through the summer as well, they break down all the games in the summer. They have weekly podcasts just like Jason and I do. Jared Scally, Jess Thomas, and Lauren Campbell do a great job over there. They have new shows that are up every Sunday. Please check it out. They're good friends of ours, and it's a great show as well if you have a chance to listen to it. Yes, absolutely. Go ahead and listen to them. I've listened to a lot of their shows. I really enjoy listening to them. And, you know, Lauren and Jared really influenced me to start podcasting, so I want to thank them and definitely go check them out. Absolutely. Great show over there. But So let's get down. Let's break down the Bruins games this week, Jason. And me and you both predicted the Bruins would lose to the Capitals and they would be the Devils. And me and you were spot on with that as the Bruins went 1-1 this week. They only had two games. Yeah, but, but did we say that the game would be close against the Capitals or did we both predict blowouts that the Capitals would kill us? Yeah, I think you might predict blowouts there. <laughs> but after the first period, it looked like it was going to be a blowout, to be honest. So, the Bruins... What I want to say about that game, and I was watching that first period, man, can those freaking Capitals players shoot. Oh, my God. That Capitals... Slorikovsky and Kuznetsov, and, you know, you put Ovechkin in there. I'm shocked Ovechkin didn't score that game, but, man. The, the, Washington, just, the Washington Capitals are just in a class above everyone in the Eastern Conference. If the Bruins don't make it to the Cup this year, I'm telling you right now, if the Bruins don't make it, I'm rooting for the Capitals. I, to be honest, I am, too, because I like yeah. the way the Capitals play. They they have a lot of skilled players. They play hard, too. Jason Chimera plays very tough, very hard. They have great defense. I like Braden Holtby as a goaltender. Oh, man, I love Braden Holtby as a goaltender. Um, and I'm surprised the Bruins even scored on him because last year the Bruins played them four times and the Bruins didn't score on Holtby once. Let's not get started when Tim Thomas was still the goaltender after our first cup when Holtby first started. I won't go there. <laughs> Holtby stole the show in Washington that year. Holtby stole the show. He's a good goaltender. I really like what I see from Holtby. And you know what, though? I'm very impressed with the Bruins. They were down Krejci. They were down... Marshan, and then and they still fought hard. And that for me is like a moral victory for the team. Exactly. They they made they cut the lead. It was it was two to nothing. The Bruins made it two to one. Washington made it three to one, and then the Bruins made it three to two. They had a chance at the end. Charis backhander went right off Hopi's blocker. The Bruins made it pushed all the way to the end, and I'm very impressed they did that because I just thought they would roll over and die against Washington because Washington's very skilled, very powerful, best team in the Eastern Conference as of right now. And I thought the Bruins would just get down early and then just give up, like they did in the Winter Classic. And I thought it was going to be that type of game. So, very impressed with the Bruins and happy that they were able to make it a game. Obviously, I'm not happy they lost, but I'm impressed with that. And also, the Bruins lost Adam McQuaid. So, the Bruins were playing with five defensemen for the majority of the game. And I've been hearing this a lot about how the Bruins didn't retaliate, the Bruins didn't retaliate. And I get it. Usually, when someone hits someone like that, you jump on them. Chimera did the same thing to Ronaldo earlier in the game. But Chimera got a penalty, and I get him McQuaid was hurt, but Bergeron jumped right on him right when he saw the hit. Bergeron went right over to him and grabbed him. But you don't want Bergeron fighting. Bergeron's not a fighter, and the guy still is a loser, and he, he can throw, and he's not one of the Washington's better players. So you don't want Patrice Bergeron fighting Zach Sill. It's not a good trade-off. So that's why there was no response, and also the Bruins were pinned in their own end for that shift. So it was almost a minute and a half shift because Washington had the puck in the Bruins zone. They were cycling. They were moving the puck around. And McQuay was trying to do whatever he could to get the puck out. And you know what? Do you, do you consider that a dirty hit or just a bad hockey play? I mean, there's a difference. I think it was a bad hockey play. And that's, where, and that's why, you know what? I can understand that the refs didn't see it. The refs probably didn't see the hit that clearly. I can understand that from that perspective. And you know what? I think Sill deserved the suspension. got the two-game suspension. Um... So I really, I can't argue the fact that the Bruins didn't retaliate. In that position, the Bruins made a smart move. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I don't see Zach Sill being a dirty player. And, I, ha- I don't know his previous history. I don't think he's been in the NHL long enough to have a history. 
But it was just a bad hockey play, and I'm sure I still didn't have any intention on trying to injure, injure McQuaid on that play. It's just one of those things that happened. And also, Ronaldo and Ronaldo and Randall offered to fight still throughout the game, and he did not. He declined. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to fight. What can you do? I, I've had an argument with someone before. What can you do? You can't jump him. Chimera jumped Ronaldo, and the Bruins got a power play. Sean Thornton jumped Orpic and injured Orpic and got a, almost a 15-game suspension. You can't, I was at that game. Yeah, you, I remember. You can't do that stuff anymore. There's only so much you can do if you're the Bruins. And if you take matters into your own hands, you're going to hurt your own team. So people that say the Bruins the Bruins are soft, they didn't go to McQuaid's back, how many times did McQuaid have other players back? What can? There's nothing the Bruins players can do. You don't want Bergeron fighting, first of all. Bergeron was the first player to grab facility, and Bergeron's not the player you want fighting. Second of all, the Bruins tried to fight him throughout the rest of the game, and he wouldn't fight. There's nothing the Bruins can do, and I get it. People are like, we'll just jump him. Okay, then you give Washington's power play, about a four-minute power play, because you jumped a player and wanted to fight him. And then Washington scores two goals in the power play. If you haven't noticed, their power play is insanely good. They have Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshie, and Kuznetsov as out there as a power play. As you I'm looking at your stats, I'm thinking to myself, how the heck did Ovechkin not even get a point in that game? But Evgeny Kuznetsov and Andre Borakovsky, I'm telling you, that's a combination and a half. Yeah, it is. That's a very, very, very good combination. And then they have Backstrom, Oshie, and Ovechkin as their top line. Washington is loaded. Loaded. And you know what? I think that if any team deserves to win the Cup right now, the way that they've played over the last couple of years, I would give that. And I'd say, you know, if the Bruins don't make it, I'm rooting for Washington. Yeah, I'm a big Washington Capitals fan as well. I like the way they play. I think they play hard. But going back to Zach Sill, I hope I don't think he he meant like I said. I think it was just a bad hockey play. You see that happen almost once every game, to be honest. And it's obviously you want to protect the head injuries, and I hope McQuay gets back soon. But just a bad hockey play. I don't think it was a cheap thirty tactic by Sill. So, so do you, let me ask you this question: Compared to the Marsh and uh, three game suspension, do you think that uh, Zach Sill deserved his suspension, or do you think it should have been longer? I think two's two's fine. Okay, I agree with that too. For the, I've heard a lot of Bruins fans know they were angry because Zach still got the two and Martian got three. And I look at the Bruins fans and say Martian has a reputation. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. I don't think Zach still has a reputation of being a dirty player and a cheap player. So two games is fine. He he hit McQuaid's head into the boards. McQuaid got injured. That NHL probably said, you know what? He got injured, so we need to suspend him for two games. And you know what? He, no one complained about it that I heard of from, from Washington. So... Nobody complained about it from Boston. Yeah, so I don't... I was listening to radio shows. Nobody from Boston, not one of the Boston radio reporters on 98.5, disagreed with the call. Yeah, I know what you mean there. And they didn't call the Bruins soft either, which means that, you know, some of the fans that overreact to this have to look at it from that perspective. You know, Zach still didn't go in there to hurt McQuaid. I don't, and, I don't think so either. Um, but I hope McQuaid gets back. Gets back. Do, I think, do I think Sill should have answered for it? Sure, but you know what? Sill is a big baby. We'll call it that. Just like with Orpik. Orpik didn't want to um, didn't want to settle the score for his hitting on Erickson. So it just makes people look bad when you don't settle your own score. Because Sill has settled his own score on fight, you know what? At that point, you would have said, "Okay, you deserve. He he got what he deserved." Yeah, and then Mo McQuaid, even if it was accidental, you know, just still stand up for it. I hope McQuaid comes back soon. No, he's been one of the better defensemen the Bruins have. Not that under the Bruins have had any great defensemen playing this year, but I think McQuaid's been one of their most solid defensemen all year, so hopefully he can come back soon. I still don't like the fact that Colin Miller's been a healthy scratcher as long as every time Miller's on the ice, he makes a difference. We'll get, we'll we'll get, get, yeah, we'll get to that in just a minute. As the Bruins hosted the New Jersey, not hosted, the Bruins started their five-game road trip last night in New Jersey and Newark against the Devils, and this is the game the Bruins needed to have. They needed to win this game. As I said last week, the they lost five of their last six. The Bruins, the Devils were have a ton of injuries. The Devils aren't that skilled. I think that this was the game the Bruins needed to win without Marshan and Krejci. This is the game you gotta have. Was Goose in that? Goose was in that. So okay, you want to give it one goal? Yeah, I'll take it. Let up one goal. No, because they're because they're setting themselves up because they're gonna have Rask in that against the Rangers on Monday. No, they have Rask tonight in Ottawa. Oh, that's right. They'll have Rask tonight and Monday. I forgot about the game tonight. Yep, we were just talked about it earlier. Yeah, so. So Gustin played I'm, last night. I'm, think, I'm thinking ahead with the Rangers coming into town. So yeah, I hear you. It's going to be a nice game against going to Madison Square Garden against the Rangers, which we'll get to. But the Bruins, Bruins played solidly last night. Ryan Spooner had had a good game. Matt Bolesky was all over the ice. 
screening the goalie, getting in front of the net, doing what he can. And that's what Pulaski brings to the table. That hard nose. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work hard, and I'm gonna get to the dirty areas, and I'm gonna help this team win a game. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. right now. I'm telling you right now, if you're going to give any player a contract extension right now already based on the way he's played this season, Matt Bolesky is worth far more than $4 million. Yeah, he's. I mean, I don't think he's worth far more than $4 million. I think that... I give, I give, I go, I give him five. You know, the way he's been playing this season, the effort he's put in, if he plays this consistently for the next two seasons, I would consider giving him a, an extension. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Bolesky still has a couple more years on his contract, which is great because the Bruins got him for a bargain, in my opinion. So I think people overpay when, when it comes to free agents, and I don't think the Bruins overpaid for Bolesky by any means. Does his job, gets the dirty areas, and another solid win for the... Excuse me, another win for the... Or a win for the Bruins to start off the road trip to get back on track. And hey, Jason, you know it's the 3,000th win in Bruins history? I caught on to that after I got home from work last night. I looked at my phone and said, oh, wow, that's actually very interesting that we're the second team with 3,000 wins in the NHL. Yep, and good way to do it in four-to-one style, beating the Devils. And um, like you said, as you t- as you just said, Colin Miller. I thought Colin Miller played had one of his best games as a Bruin last night. He was all over the ice. He was shooting the puck well. Man, he can shoot the puck, and he just blew it by Corey Snyder's five-hole. And I I like Colin Miller. You know how I feel about Colin Miller. We've been talking about Colin Miller almost every show. Yeah, I buried my hands over my face when I realized that Miller is not in the lineup. Like, why is he not in the lineup? This is the way that he plays. He can shoot. He can shoot. He's an offensive defenseman. He's won the Bruins some games before. The Bruins were down 2-1 to one in Detroit, and Colin Miller scored a goal and, and assisted on the next goal for the Bruins to win in overtime. And he made some great plays. And look, I get it. He's young. He's going to have bad games. It's his first year in the NHL. But don't you want him to get that experience and grow from it rather than, okay, you play bad, so let me just sit you now for the next five games. Right, like you've got a bunch of players on these teams with these bad contracts aren't playing the way they're supposed to be playing, and you have Colmer, who's a young kid who's coming in playing hard. I, yes, I get he makes mistakes, and it's frustrating when he makes mistakes, but he gives the Bruins a chance to win when he's on the ice. I agree, and I think Colin Miller should be playing every game. Let him get the experience, and look, I get it. Come playoff time, if you want to sit him down, that's understandable. That's understand- yes, they did the same thing with Dougie Hamilton, but at least Dougie Hamilton played during the regular season, get experience, and grow as a defenseman. And then come playoffs, you know, sit them. You know, let the uh, players with the experience take over and give them the chance to see it from the press box, the speed of the playoffs, and gain that experience from the press box. Yeah, but he should be playing every regular season game. I'm glad that you and I agree on that because he just makes some plays. So, Gustin gets the win, played solidly in the net, only let up one goal to Bobby Farnham. And, you know, letting up one goal, that's fine. Bruins scored four, not a big deal there. Letting up one goal, you should win most games. So, good to see the Bruins get win. 3,000 in team history, especially to start off the road trip. that losing streak. Exactly, and to start off the, um, the road trip on a high note. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's the Bruins need to really get going with this road trip, and I'll give you my predictions later, but I definitely am optimistic about this road trip. Definitely, I am too. So, <clears throat> hopefully the Bruins, can, the Bruins start the road trip well. Hopefully they can end it well. But, boy, oh, boy, was this around the NHL segment going to be good. There is a ton of stuff to get to. <laughs> Holy smokes! But I want to start off on a on a relatively sad note, and I want to do a quick moment of silence for the women's hockey player Dena Lang uh, in Boston. She played the, the first woman to win a classic ever. Got hit, got hit into the boards, and she is paralyzed. She has no movement in her extremities, and I just hope and I hope and pray that she can gain full health and hopefully be able to put on the skates again one day, but I just want to do a quick moment of silence and then get your take on it, Jason. We want to do the moment of silence first? Yeah. Alright, let's go. Alright. Well, my take on this, I was at that, I was there, I was at Gillette Stadium at that game, and when she got hit to the pores and she didn't move, you know, it was tough to see. And, you know, it's tough news for the family for a woman like that who was a captain for a couple of teams that she played on in college. And you just hope that eventually she can get better, that eventually something will get better, but that her career is over when it comes to playing hockey. And you just have to hope for the best for her and her family. It's definitely sad news. Yes, definitely sad news. I wish her all the best. Um, my thoughts and prayers with her and her family, with her team. So good luck to her. Hopefully she gets back soon. But 
Oh, the major domino to fall this week in the NHL was between Columbus and Nashville. Yes, but what started that? Let's go into the uh, trade before that, the Lecavaliation. Yes, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll start there. So, you know, as me and you said, you and I, as you and I talked about on the last show, is this is when the trades are going to start happening. Trades are going to start piling in. You're going to hear some rumors. You're going to hear some movement, blah, 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 blah. And then, boy, it started off hot with... Started off in a hurry, like I didn't even hear this trade this week. I didn't hear a thing about it. Just happened. I know it was the Kings, the Flyers. They called each other, I guess, and Bainley Cavalier and Luke Shen to the Kings for a third round pick in a prospect. And this is more of a salary dump from the Flyers' perspective. But you know what? The Kings pick up two experienced players. Luke Cavalier says he's retiring at the end of the year, so maybe they. They, get, they brought him in to try and give him one last push to win a cup. I like to trade on both sides, to be honest. The Kings get a couple veterans. They get Shen to show up the, uh, the bottom bottom pairing of the defense. They get LeCavalier maybe to play a fourth-line role as a leader and maybe get catch a little lightning in a bottle there for uh, for maybe like wanting to win the cup before he exits. So I like that trade. The Flyers, you know, the Flyers have been in no man's land for the past few years now. Not They haven't been bad enough, but they have not been a playoff team. So getting rid of some contracts to maybe open up some money there. Mike, uh, before you keep going, then let me correct you on that one because I did a lot of research on this specific trade. The Flyers are paying half the contracts for both players to go to the Kings. Oh, they are. Yes. But look at it, so, well, it's, it, the, the running joke is Ron Hextall is somebody a favor. Yes. So, but Lecavalier is retiring at the end of the year, and if he retires, that money comes off the books for the Flyers. And I believe Luke Shen's contract is up at the end of the year, and I could be wrong about that. But it was mostly – I think it was just the, the move was supposed to be a salary dump. The Flyers didn't want these players anymore. And you know what? The Flyers have some younger players that have been playing well for them as well, and there's no need to have Lecavalier and Shen in there. The, the Flyers have some good prospect defensemen coming up. So, you know, I like to trade on both sides. I can see it. I like the trade for the Kings. I think the Kings got this trade, but I think that there was a favor owed, and I'm doing some research while we're talking about this, that, you know, yes, Le Cavalier did say at the end of the year he was going to retire once he got traded. But let me see. Where is this? I'm looking at it. The trade is, to put it, light, to put it lightly, a stunning. Le Cavalier has one of the league's most hour-trust-like contracts with this year and two more remaining at $4.5 million cap hit. Then Elliot Friedman. On Twitter, said Philly is keeping 50% of both contracts, so Philly's paying off half the contracts. Yeah, that's fine. And that, like I said, if Cavalier retires at the end of the year, his money comes off the books. So then you have four, four, four and a half million coming off the Flyers' payroll. So that's good for them. But you know, I like the move for the Kings too. Get some, get some veteran players in there and help them for a cup run. You always need depth. Like because you can see this trend. You know, it's been like. The Western teams really dominating in the Cup, so I could actually see the Kings and the uh, Capitals going to the Cup Finals. That, that would be fun to watch. Yes, it would. But And also a trade that happened yesterday was Emerson Edom to the Vancouver Canucks for a prospect. And this is not a major, major trade, but there's still, as, we, as we're seeing, there's some major trades going on. Oh, There's been a couple, a couple of minor trades. We'll get into the you know, Hanson Jones trade in a second. Dustin Tokarski was traded as well to the Anaheim Ducks. Yes, I missed that. I missed. And, I missed that one. So, and and, I, and I'll go over this one because I did a lot of research on this last night. The Ducks now have four goaltenders on their books, which means that something else is up. You can already start. This is this is where the rumors are going to start right here with the Anaheim Ducks with the yeah, goaltenders. So, something's going to give here. They're going to have to. And, and, and I, I've heard Frederick Anderson's name coming up with the way Gibson's been playing. Yeah, something's going to give their four goaltenders, like you said. So that's going to something to keep an eye on is Anaheim there. People are teams are always looking for goalies and depth and, and the goalie position. So keep your eyes peeled about Anaheim over there. Also, Emerson Edom, yep, as to Vancouver. Some minor deals going on, but you know what? It, there's still some movement, and I like that there's movement and there's activity going between the NHL. But the biggest the biggest trade, the biggest apple, the biggest domino to fall was between the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Nashville Predators. And it was Ryan Johansson and Seth Jones straight up one for one. And this this is a massive trade because uh, Johansson scored his first shot. Yes, he did. With Nashville. Yes, he did, and that was great to see. And oh, excuse me, sorry, I got distracted there. But I was look, <laughs> I was I was trying to look up some stuff on uh, Johansson and Jones. But Johansson's no, go go for it. I was doing the same thing while you were talking. Johansson and Jones. This is a massive trade. Seth Jones was 
The fourth overall pick a few years back, everyone said he would be a franchise defenseman. He's only 21 years old. Ryan Johansson's the number one center. He's only 22, 23 years old. Was an all-star last year. And Ryan Johansson has scored 70 points in the NHL before, but this year the Blue Jackets have just not played that well. And as you and I talked about, they fired their coach. They hired... Oh, excuse me. They hired... John, they hired the uh, pack-it-in guy. Pack-it-in John Tortorella as their coach. And Tortorella and... Tortorella has not liked Johansson since he's been there. Johansson has not played well since Tortorella has been there. It kind of was a, a filled marriage from the get-go. And it was only a matter of time before they got divorced. And one of them had to go. And the Blue Jackets decided to trade Johansson. And the Blue Jackets have been struggling on defense. They don't have a lot of good defensive players in their system. They don't have a lot of good defensemen in general. So this is a, this is a risky, risky trade on both sides, in my opinion. But you know what? I like it. And I like Nashville's aggressiveness because Nashville has been waiting for a first-line center to come along to play with Neal and Fosberg, and they've not had it yet. I don't, I don't think Mike Fisher's a number-one center. I don't think Mike Rivera's a number-one center. And getting Johansson was, is a massive for them. Johansson had two points last night with Fosberg and Neal. He looked good. He had a nice goal. He had a nice assist. But also Seth Jones. If Seth Jones can translate into a top-end defenseman, I don't think the Blue Jackets will, will hate it that much. But... I think it's more risky on the Blue Jackets side because if Seth Jones does not turn out to be a number one defenseman, people predicted Dougie Hamilton to be number one defenseman, and I don't think that's happening. It could also look bad for the Blue Jackets. It could. Um, when I'm, I'm going to really think about this before I say it. But Seth, wasn't Seth Jones just drafted last year? No, two years ago. Three, two or three, three years, years ago. ago. All right, so he's had, he's had some of that time to, to develop, and... You know, Columbus wasn't using Johansson anyway, so whether it's a win-loss, it's a one-on-one trade. You're not losing any salary cap for it, so if, if Jones doesn't pan out, so be, so be it. You weren't using Johansson anyway, and you weren't winning anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, But I think it's a, this is a major trade, though. Two high-profile guys. Two, you don't usually see this in the NHL anymore where it's a one-for-one. You give, you give me a top player, I give you a top player type deal, so... Massive, massive deal in the NHL, and it's great that this happened because maybe other teams will be more compelled to make massive trades like this. And it's gonna, and, you, and this is gonna be the start. You're gonna see a lot of trades happen that you don't expect, and that the Cavalier trade is really why I kept on saying, when it comes to the Bruins, expect the unexpected. Yeah, we'll be interesting to see there, but you'll hear, you'll be hearing about a ton of rumors if you follow the right people on Twitter, and if you don't. Follow the right people on Twitter. I'm telling you, follow Bob McKenzie, Darren Dreger. They have all the stuff up there. They know everything. So they're great people to follow on Twitter. And so in, in other news, and we don't have it in our agenda, but I was just thinking of this a few seconds ago when I was going through the Predators score. Jerome McGinley scored goal number 600 this week. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, yeah, he did. Good old pal, Jerome McGinley. It's too bad the Bruins couldn't re-sign him. They didn't have the money to. The Bruins were up against the cap. Jerome McGinley wanted a few, few extra dollars, which I, I don't blame him. But he's playing well, and Colorado is surging. They've been playing really hot, and they, as of late, they beat Nashville last night, as you just said, and now they're tied with Nashville in points. So the Western Conference could be a dogfight just like the Eastern Conference in the playoff structure. It looks like there's a lot of teams this year that are a lot more balanced than in years past. And the, and the uh, teams are a lot closer for the most part. Also, Bruins fans, I just want to point this out. I was talking with my friends the other day about it. If the NHL ended today, and I know there's still half the season left, but if it ended today, the Bruins would have the fourth overall pick in the NHL draft due to Don Sweeney getting San Jose's first-round pick. Yes, and again, you know, we'll get into this as we get closer towards the trade deadline because when the rumors really get started that the, the first-round pick for the Bruins, their first-round pick, it's going to come into use. And everyone keep an eye and keep following San Jose Sharks. Keep asking them to lose because if they keep, they keep losing, the Bruins can keep getting pl- – more and more down on the bottom to try and get maybe Austin Matthews or Pilar. That would that would be nice. I would love to see Austin Matthews on the Bruins. It would be great. Really, I would. It would be great. So what? Uh, like, let me let me go even further into this. You know, the Bruins could trade both those first round picks to the number one team that was the team with the number one pick. That again gives them options. Yeah, a ton of for- a ton of options for the Bruins. This is gonna be a fun fun time right now. So hopefully San Jose keeps losing. That's what the Bruins fans need. San Jose to keep losing. So keep keep an eye on them. Keep they lost the other night to Detroit two to one. They play tonight, I believe as well. So usually everyone in the NHL plays on Saturday, and some teams play on Sunday. But 
keep an eye on that, Bruins fans. Very, very exciting to keep your eye on that because I want a top five pick. How can you not want a top five pick? And they're only five points behind uh, Columbus for last place. So they play the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. So hopefully the Leafs can can show up and play well. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Then you know. I've been hearing a lot of good things about the Leafs and how they played a lot more improved this season compared to past seasons. So it's been good to hear for the Leafs. Right. And another news, this led to a little bit of two teams in the Atlantic division here. I just saw last night as I was uh, you know, doing a little bit of show prep. Carey Price is out until after the All-Star game. And this has been this is a significant blow for Montreal, in my opinion, because they've been struggling as of late, and I know they beat the crap out of you in the Winter Classic, but... Other than, other than that, they have been playing terribly. And I think this is a big, big, big news for Montreal because Carey Price, they need him back as soon as possible. Mike Condon's done a, a fine job there, he's, but he hasn't been great. Carey Price... And, Mont- and Montreal is catchable right now. That's the worst part. Exactly. They can find themselves out of the wild card before they know it. They don't, they don't get Price back. Yeah, and, and Price, Price saves their bacon, in my opinion, on numerous occasions. And I think he's the best goaltender in the NHL, in my opinion, also. And losing him for an extended period of time is not good for Montreal. They need him back. But you know what? I'm not going to complain that. Even if, but even if Price gets back, he's going to be dealing with rust and trying to get back into game speed. And that's going to play a role, too. So having him out after the All-Star break doesn't help Montreal. It hurts them. And I'm not going to complain. I'm not no, Montreal. I'm, I'm not complaining either. I think it's great. Sail for the rest of the year, you know, if you don't mind, Kerry. Right? No, absolutely. Take your time coming back. Take your time. <laughs> In other news, an unexpected team is on an 11-game winning streak. I know. The Florida Panthers have been running away with the Atlantic. They are cruising right now. and They've beaten everyone that's been put in front of them. They have beaten. They have their young. Led by Yarmir Yager. Yarmir Yager is playing at, at a level that, we, for, for his age, he's 43 years old, he's playing unbelievable. Quiz question. Which was the last team the Florida Panthers lost to? I was just looking up their schedule right now, but um, the Boston Bruins. Really? Yes. Wow. Yep. I was listening to that. I heard about that last night on the radio. Interesting. I would I wouldn't have guessed the Bruins, but hey, good for the Bruins to be honest. And the Bruins seem to play well against Florida, but Florida has some good young players. Luongo's playing well. Yager's playing well. It's the two older veterans, but. They have some younger players as well as Barkoff, the Huberdos, Fukestad. I know, and Fukestad, I think he's hurt right now, but they have good players in. Excuse me. Whew. And they have Ekblad on, on the defensive end. The, the Florida Panthers are just a really good team, and I'm very impressed with them. I like them. I like watching them play. And you know what? Good for Florida, because Florida's not considered a hockey market. And I have one of my buddies that lives down. I have one of my buddies that lives down there and roots for the Florida Panthers. And. I always give them crap about how Florida is going to be selling their team. They're going to be moving to Quebec City or something like that. But well, if you want, if you want to hear a laugh, and I was joking around about this the other day with the way the Powerball has been up in the uh, lottery, if whoever wins the Powerball can buy the Florida Panthers pretty cheap. Yeah, seriously, that could happen as well. But so let me just, <laughs> just, I'm just, gonna, just think about that. I'm just going to rattle off the teams that Florida has beaten since they lost to the Bruins three to one. The island they be the Islanders five to one, New Jersey five to one, Carolina two nothing, Vancouver in a shootout, Ottawa in a shootout, Columbus three to two, Montreal three to one. Then they've beaten the Rangers three to nothing, Minnesota two to one, Buffalo five to one, and then Ottawa again three to two. And they have an upcoming four game. Well, they're on a, they're on a six game road trip right now. One two three four five. Yeah, six game road trip. They started in Buffalo, they beat them, beat Ottawa. Then so, tomorrow night they're playing at Edmonton, and I think the Florida Panthers will send their winning streak till twelve. Because I don't think Edmonton's any good. And then they play Vancouver, Calgary, Tampa. <laughs> I mean, so what is their loss in there? I'm, they're gonna have to not show up at one point. And the way if if that's right, if they're on an eleven game winning streak, Luongo is playing freaking fantastic. Oh my god, he's playing great. And I I, I think you know, I think they're gonna lose to either Vancouver or Calgary, to be honest. And I will. I hope it continues. I mean, I, I actually kind of don't because be, they're sending their points away from the Bruins. But I'm 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 very. I like the Florida Panthers. I like to see them do well. But I think Vancouver or Calgary is one of the games that they'll lose. They're they're going out west and always going going out west is always tough. And coming back from a West Coast trip, you know, is very difficult to do. 
No, it's it's crazy to see. I'm not going to try to make this prediction too early because Florida's going to have to lose at some point. And whether or not they can sustain it the entire rest of the season, I couldn't predict that for sure. But, you know, with Luongo and Yager and that veteran leadership, Florida definitely is going to go go into the playoffs and probably win a round or two. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, unless they get matched against the Bruins. I, I think it would be crazy to see, like, you know, Florida-Washington in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, that would be funny. But the Atlanta Division has a lot of stuff going on. Detroit's doing well. Tampa Bay's starting to t- turn it around a little bit. So the Atlanta Division is going to be tough for the Bruins, but I'm very happy to see that the Panthers are doing well. Ho- hopefully, happy- I'm happy that Brad Marchand is coming back tonight for the Bruins. So that's another piece of news there. And... This is a game. This is a game we've been waiting seven days to talk about. This is the. This is the tonight's game is a big game. Yes, it is against Ottawa. You know, Marshall got suspended. There was a bunch of brawl at the end of the game last time, and this, it's in Ottawa. This should be a very, very I hope intense game, and I have Marshall coming back. He adds a whole other element to it. I think the Bruins are going to be hungry tonight. I do. I think they're going to be ready to go. I think Marshall is going to be ready to go. I'm, I can't wait for the game tonight. And if I'm correct, didn't Ottawa play last night as well? Nope. Nope. No. No. Just the- but, they lost, but they lost to Florida the last game, so Ottawa's going to be more rested than the Bruins. Yeah, I don't care about the rest part. I think the Bruins are just going to get Marshan back. They're going to be happy they got their winning streak. I mean, they happy- Let's just say that I'm predicting a nasty game tonight. Yeah, that should be a nasty game, and I hope, I hope it is. And then um, after Ottawa, the Bruins will go to Madison Square Garden and take on the New York Rangers. The New York Rangers, who started off really hot, just like Montreal did, have not been playing as well as well as of late. So I think the Bruins can go in there and hopefully maybe get some two get some two points. Henrik Lundqvist obviously is one of the better goaltenders in the NHL. Derek Stepan is back when Matt Bolesky broke his ribs back in Boston when they played that great epic game after after Thanksgiving that I couldn't keep my eyes away from because it was just such an intense game. I was going to say, wasn't that the last time we played New York when we won that Black Friday game? Yes. Okay. So that was a great game. And I'm just very, I'm very happy. I'm very looking forward to that one as well. Even though I'm not trying to discount, discredit Ottawa. But I, like, I always like playing New York. I always like beating New York, especially in New York. And the Bruins will be back on Wednesday night rivalry against the Philadelphia Flyers. Obviously, the Bruins and the Flyers have had great Great battles in the past, and I know this Flyers team is not as great as it has been before, but the Flyers beat the Bruins earlier on this year when the Bruins were struggling 5-4 in overtime when the Bruins couldn't hold a two-goal lead. In the game that the Bruins should have won. Yeah, they, when they had, then the Bruins couldn't hold two-goal leads. And I, I'm excited about that game as well. It's in Philadelphia. Um, I, I like watching Wayne Simmons, Claude Giroux. Uh, the Flyers have some, have some skilled players, so if the Bruins don't come to play, the Flyers could come back and bite them as we saw in Boston earlier on this year. This is the Flyers and score some goals. And then you got Buffalo, who they, again, they should have won that game and lost as well. If the Bruins don't beat Buffalo this week, I might lose my mind. So what are, you, so what are your predictions for the week? Uh, four games, they're going to go 3-1. 4-0. 4-0? They're going to go undefeated on this road trip? If they lose a the game to the Rangers, then I'm pretty sure that's what you're thinking too. But I think they can beat the Rangers because the Rangers are struggling. Philly just traded LeCable, so clearly they've already kind of melded in for the year. Buffalo, they're going to avenge. Ottawa's going to be nasty, so yeah, I can see 4-0. And I'm just crazy enough to predict it, so. I know, usually you always predict the loss. Usually I'm the one that always goes undefeated. So maybe that actually should be a turnaround for the Bruins, that you predicted them to go undefeated and they actually listen to Because Because the, the Boston's the road, a team that's road warriors and getting Marcia and Mack. And yeah, they, have, they have been great on the road. They're 12-2-1. That's incredible. The way that they play on the road, combined with the fact that they're getting Marshan back, yes, they're missing Krejci, I get that. But you're going to have Pasternak coming back into his game a little bit, getting that rust off. And you know what? It's, I really do. I believe in this team. So call me crazy, but I'm going to go 4-0. Hey, usually I'm the one that's going to go 4-0 or however many games they play undefeated. So I'm predicting a loss. You're predicting to go undefeated. Maybe that's just what the Bruins need to if I'm right, if I'm right, just call it luck. I guess I know I end up right a lot, but I call it luck. Hey, sometimes people are just go with predicting things than others. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it happens. Sometimes you, sometimes you can predict them. Sometimes you can't. You just even have a knack to predict some games. And this, and this is, and this isn't predicting the fact that if the Bruins 
get any more injuries or anything like that. I'm just saying, you know, for this week with the team that we have right now, I think we can go 4-0. Yeah, so Marshan's coming back tonight. It should be a very, very intense game, as as we discussed. A lot of news this, this past week. I expect the news to just continue on with the trade deadline coming up and with with all the with the All Star game coming up, and that you'll hear you'll hear a lot of stuff coming up about NHL news. So be prepared to stay tuned about all the latest Bruins news, all the latest around the NHL news. We'll have it right here for you every week on CLNS Radio Bruins Beat Podcast. This will do it for our twelfth episode. Uh, flying right along this this year is twelfth episode, and uh, we hope to continue it for hopefully twelve hundred episodes. But don't forget to follow us and like us on Facebook at Bruins underscore beat. Uh, don't forget to follow myself or Jason on Twitter at Mike Seto 22 at Jason Buckley 91. We're, we're in the process of trying to get something big for a show coming up. So stay tuned for that. Also, they can d- download us on uh, the iTunes, right, Jason? Yes. Boston Bruins beat podcast. That's where you can find us. Boston Bruins Beat Podcast on iTunes, please. If you're on, if you're on Facebook, just look up Bruins Beat Podcast and you can find us there as well. There you go. Also, please go to CLNS Radio for all your Bruins content. We have prospect reports. We have game recaps. All the opinion pieces. We have everything you need on CLNSRadio.com. We also have people that cover the Red Sox, the Patriots, the Celtics. We have the whole nine yards on there. Please check out our website. Also, don't forget to... Send us an email if you have anything that you want us to say on the air. You have anything that you want us to discuss. Don't hesitate to email us. Email us. What's the email again, Jason? Uh, Bruinsbeat37 at gmail.com. I got to remember this damn email. I always forget it. <laughs> but, right? Yeah. But don't forget. Don't hesitate to email us. We will be back next week for our 13th edition. Hopefully the Bruins are going 4-0 just like Jason said. Big road trip for the Bruins. But they can, I, I, I have some faith. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Go Bruins.